Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for tuning into the Houndsman XP Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Powell, and I'm excited about bringing this podcast to you. It's it's really a laid-back podcast, but it's really valuable too. I've got Cody Lostro and Justin Anglovich on the podcast this week, and we're just going to talk about what it is to be a hunter, where it started, uh, how, you get, how we got our starts, tell some stories. We're just going to lay it all out there. And uh, Cody Lostro, of course, he never disappoints. But this is the first time you've ever heard of, heard from Justin. 
And Justin's the new president of the United Houndsmen of Colorado. And Cody is the vice president. So it was an honor to sit down with them. And just three guys with a cup of coffee. We recorded this early in the morning. And uh, just kind of bared our souls a little bit. Talked about what hunting means to us and and hounds and and all of it. So there you have it, folks. We're going to call this one Lion Hunter for Life. button right here no. oh my goodness the recording is going there you go cody's been talking up a storm since you've been and cody's good anyway cody always comes through on the mic so cody welcome back to the podcast man hey th <clears throat> thanks for having me back it's always good to, to visit with you he got a little choked up right there justin yeah, you know, I heard it. Well, I'm emotional. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while, man. <laughs> yeah, last time we were together, we were down there with Shorty and uh, eating that chicken and that salsa. You said, man, that's the best salsa I've ever had. <laughs> I know, and I forgot to take some home. That was I was more excited about that salsa than anything. And yeah, Maybe <laughs> next time. That'd give me a good excuse to get back down there. Yeah, I always leave stuff when I go out there. I, I've left last time the time before last i left some tools out there so i had to go back and this <laughs> last time i left a honda generator sitting up there in the equipment yard when i was unloading my trailer so now i've oh. got to go back well there's worse things the worst places you could be going to you got that right man that that place is awesome justin welcome to the podcast this is your initial initial trip down uh the gauntlet here on the houndsman xp podcast and, yes sir uh, well, thank right. you for having me you bet so pronounce your last name i'm not even going to try anglovich justin anglovich anglovich i, yes. I should have i should have shown a little bit of courage there and threw it out there that's yeah. how but i i didn't know if know if it was oh, angel bitch oh no i've heard every rendition you could possibly imagine in the last 30 years of life so <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, this is going to be a podcast where we're just going to, we're just going to kick back a little bit and tell some stories and tell our, you know, the title of this show is lion hunter for life. And we're going to talk about the values of hunters, but we're, we're going to talk about what hunting means to us on an individual, individual level. And, uh, just a real quick backdrop on this whole thing. Justin just um, assumed the president's role of the U United Houndsman of Colorado, and Cody is the vice president. So you guys are real gluttons for punishment. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like waking up every morning and hitting yourself in the foot with a hammer. <laughs> you probably have some experience in that, Justin. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was I was watching this video. This is what's alarming. I was watching a reel on social media and it was this competition where it had these men lined up like in a relay and they had to run down and there was a, a 16 penny nail started in the top of a block of wood, a big chunk of firewood sitting on its end, like a big stump and a hammer laying there. And the, the contest was to run up and take the hammer and whoever drove the nail in first won the contest. Yeah. I've seen this that. is, this is kind of uh, symbolic of the kind of culture we're dealing with trying to get to understand our hunting culture because these men are running up there 
and they can't even they don't even come close to hitting the nail yeah it'd be a safe day to be the nail every now and then (laughs) it would be real safe in that crowd yeah yeah but i've i've watched over the years you know we used to have people come here and uh, to our place and we had a little um uh outfitting business here where we took people on outdoor adventures and just real simple life skills that we take for granted escapes your modern suburban man you know trying to watch them split a piece of firewood i mean it was dangerous i was like no let's go through some stuff here so that's what we're up against and Justin, I know that you, you pound nails, you've been nails for a living. Yeah. So, yeah. And Cody, you're, you're out there ranching and, and living that, that lifestyle. So we're just going to talk about what we do and how we do it and why we do it and what it means to us. And, um, I'll kind of kick it off here with, with the reason I wanted to talk to you guys about this is. The other day I was going through a box of stuff that, that mom had saved for me. Uh, I don't know if your parents are alive or not, but eventually you will get this box of stuff after your mom dies, you're going to get this box of stuff and you're going to go through it. And it's going to bring back all kinds of things from your childhood memories. And, and a lot of it, you're going to sit there and look at and think, why in the world did she save this? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand, you know, some of the letters that came that that were written back and forth when I was in the military and and stuff like that and some some memorable pictures, but but she saved this this paper that I wrote when I was 9 years old. And it said it was like it, the title of it is what age would you want to be? And I picked the age 30 and then I had to list the reasons why I wanted to be 30. And there were a lot of things in their travel, you know, um, have some freedom to, to go do the things. But one of the things, a real short sentence in there said, I could hunt whenever I wanted to at nine years old. Hmm. And it just brought it back to me. It's like, why do I do what I do and how much foresight did I have? And I think I had some pretty good foresight for being a nine-year-old because 30 was a damn good age for one thing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're, you're old enough. You're securing your, your career. You got your family started. You do have a lot of freedoms and things like that. But I pick, I also made it a point in that paper. I could hunt whenever I wanted to. Have you guys, what's your early memories of, of hunting or wanting to hunt, Justin? Oh, I was, I've really been kind of spoiled into it. You know, my uncles, the Whitaker twins. Yeah. And so they're a a challenge. Right. And I've been spoiled. (laughs) I've been spoiled into it, man. I've been as fortunate as anybody could expect, you know, hound hunting, especially I can, I can remember one of the first ones I ever went with them. We we got on the mountain and it's snowing bad, bad. And it was almost blizzard whiteout conditions. And I'm freezing to death. You know, I was probably 12, 13 years old. I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. Like I should have been terrified, you know, but no, I didn't care. I was, we were there, we were, we were doing it. And 
and I, I I've been lucky in the fact that I've I've had I've had people around me who knew what they were doing and taught me how to do what they were doing and I've been able to learn from them and then it just it just kind of puts a sickness in you when it's in your blood you know both sides of my family all hunt and it's I don't know what I would do without actually hunting something and following dogs rounds is it's as cool as it gets you know you've got this relationship with this dog you've got this this whole nother realm of hunting which is spore and that 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 story can go on for decades you know we'll never figure that one out but it's 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 unlike anything else man to be able to hunt and be able to follow dogs around it's it's as special to me as is is most things yeah for sure yeah it's uh cody what's your earliest memory of hunting just hunting in general yeah so um i grew up uh, my dad was a big bird hunter right he hunted ducks and geese and uh, upland birds and so that's what i what i grew up doing as well you know we had we've always raised dogs and um we raised chesapeakes when i was real young and um you know that i remember sitting out there in a duck blind or sneaking up on a warm water slough in the middle of winter and and going after these birds and and it was always about it was always about the hunt right like doing the things to put you in the position to be able to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger that the pulling the trigger you know it it was always it's always uh fun especially as a kid whether we're shooting targets or shooting shooting birds or whatever we're hunting but but the the funnest part for me has always been the pursuit. The pursuit was where it's at. And, uh, you know, pulling the trigger or not pulling the trigger never really mattered a whole lot. It was about the experience. And I say that now looking back on it, uh, you know, as a kid, you're always excited to get to the finish line. Right. But, but when yeah. I look back on it, I realized I did enjoy the the race more so than crossing the finish line. If that makes sense. Um, enjoy the process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? The, the, the people that love the process and I talk about this a lot in, in sports and the other things I deal with, but the people that love the process are actually the people that go the furthest. Uh, if you just, if you're just worried about getting to the finish line, you know, you're going to have limitations, but if you're in love with the process, there literally is no limit. And, and that's maybe, maybe a personality trait of mine. I don't know. I just, I get addicted to the process more than anything. And, you know, it's funny, you, you brought up that that letter you wrote that you wanted to be 30 so you could have unlimited time to hunt or, or whatever the <laughs> thought behind that was. So my dad, probably about a year ago, gave me a letter that I wrote, and I was probably eight or nine, maybe 10. And I don't even remember writing this, but it's for sure my... Yeah, me, me either. I don't remember writing this. Yeah, and it's, it's for sure my writing, and I drew a picture to go along with it and everything, but I... I said, my dream is to uh, hunt tigers all over the world. <laughs> and and I, I legit do not ever remember writing that. But yeah. I'm like, wow, that, that was in my heart before I even knew it was in my heart, right? And obviously, we're not hunting tigers. Um, but I think it was just the aspect of doing something, you know, going after doing something that's really challenging that uh, must have been with me from a young age. 
it's crazy when i when i think about that and i think about you know my letter and the, the fact that i i wrote that so long ago and how that i mean what is it about having that in dream when you're that age and then you know for me 45 years later and looking at how much i've invested in that part of my life and how that all came about you know my earliest memories of hunting are bird dogs and and seeing dead quail on the tailgate and and things like that from my dad and my grandparents but i always was just enthralled and consumed by the story and the process like you said you know there are things about my first deer camps that I remember as far as the hunting goes, but a lot of the memories go back to getting ready for deer camp. I remember, you know, the fact that I got taken out of school on a Thursday to go set up camp on Friday to hunt Saturday and, and packing everything and, and double checking my gear and, you know, that sort of stuff. And I was always really consumed with, with other stories. I mean, I wore out pages of, of old hound hunting magazines and, when I was, when I was into that, uh, stage of my life, but outdoor life sports, I feel one of the favorite things was, was when we sat up and, and we read before we could read, even, you know, we would have dad read us, uh, stories from outdoor life or sports, a field, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just dreaming about that. And I've always been into the mountain man movies when I was a little kid, you know, in the seventies is when Jeremiah Johnson came out. And I remember watching that movie and every time it would come on, we watched that movie when I was a kid and just being, that's how I played. That's how I, you know, uh, I, we, we grew up with toy guns and, and setting up little mock camps and, you know, we play in, war and cowboys and indians and and we'd bring in game to eat you know it was mm -hmm. just part of it mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and i think that's what you know a lot of people don't realize about especially the hunting world right it's not just a thing you do it is a legit way to grow up and live you know everybody grows up and lives you know kind of experiences the world in their own unique way uh but the hunting world is is that right it's it's a it's about really being being in touch with our our surroundings right our world the, the place we live in like we're the the culture anymore tries to separate humans from nature right they think we can exist separate from it but that's not the case we've been a part of nature forever and we always will be uh and that's yeah. something i guess the the hunting community is a lot more in touch with yeah. definitely i agree with that you know you talk about early memories there chris and 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 to play off of what Cody's saying too is my old man, he uh he told me I wanted a a red rider BB gun when I was little, little. And he told me I was gonna earn this BB gun that I could do chores or whatever. He'd give me a few quarters here and there and when so I did. In my mind too, even now as an adult, I did mountains of work, you know. But my dad's oh, yeah. told my dad's told me now he's like no you didn't do very much work <laughs> he's like i would come in and i would sneak money from my change from my pockets in your little jar and i kept a jar and i still remember this to this day i took this it was a folgers coffee can and i walked into big r 
and I poured that sucker out on the countertop and screened from ear to ear and told him I wanted one of them PB guns. And that lady sat there and laughed and counted every dime, every penny. And, and I got my BB gun and I think I ended up actually having more than enough money. And so I got my pellets and everything. And when I tell you, I went to decimating the populations of varmints around the house. It was, uh, I was daylight to dark outside with that BB gun for the longest time. And my dad made me take one of the rabbits that I had got because of red rider BB gun, it won't hardly kill a thing. You know, it's not very strong, but I had killed this rabbit and I brought it to show him. He says, all right, well, you get to eat it now. And he strung that rabbit up in the doorway of the back door of the house. I'll still remember this jerked that skin off there. And I thought that was the worst smelling thing on the face of the earth. I had never smelled anything like that. And if you've <laughs> ever skinned a rabbit, you know, they, they stink pretty good. And we skinned that thing down threw it in a skillet, had nothing but the rabbit for dinner, you know, like just, just rabbit in a skillet right then. And living like savages. It was like the best. <laughs> and for me as a kid, you know, that's the best meat I've ever ate in my life. You know, now as an adult, I've been at some, some nice restaurants, you know, whatever, but that, that stupid rabbit and that little house we had was the best meat I've ever ate. And, and even to this day, you know, I'm a, uh business owner now and, and i go out and i i turn what i can do with my hands into money and 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 all the time i think about that coffee can full of change you know and and hunting hunting what it does for us as human beings you know it kind of gives us a connection with the natural world and it, and it gives us a sense of belonging that i think you see in today's society that people don't have on something you know and then you have somebody that's so so against something whether it's whatever it is some anti of anything else i think they get that passionate and that 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 obsessed is because they just they don't have any of that value that we carry through hunting in their life and so they attach themselves that passionately to something even if even if it may be wrong or different or whatever it is. And I think hunters and, and, and the people from the hunting community as a whole, we we're so rooted in in nature and hunting and our traditions we've been taught by our families that that it's just a different thing. Do you do you think that there's some human behavior stuff going on there? It's like I'm miserable and I want you to be miserable too. You think it's uh, that deeply so, rooted in the in the yeah. people that want us to stop hunting? Yeah, so, society's in a really weird spot, you know. I mean, and then we're in this instant gratification world. You know, nobody's willing to build something. Take it from I have a construction business. Nobody wants to build anything for themselves. Like I have plenty capable people that could do what needs to be done will hire me to do a job because they don't want to build anything for themselves. Well, the same comes with, 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 with any of this stuff. People don't want to educate themselves when it comes down to something. People don't, they see the quick snappy emotional thing and they grab hold of it and they, they jump on the bandwagon and who look at me kind of deal. And I don't know, man, it's, it's unfortunate. And the other thing is nobody's ever okay with something that they don't understand anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and well, my, my earliest memories of, of like wild food go back to those quail hunting days with grandpa and, and, and my dad. And I was just somewhere, this wasn't included in my box of pictures. I've got to find it, but there's a picture of me standing there in pajamas with a little feet in the bottom of them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and standing there, I was probably just almost just above my dad's knee and he's holding quail. You know, I remember even at that age, I remember looking at those quail and we baked them. I remember they'd breasted them out and the, the breasts were all shiny and, and kind of red. And I looked at them and I thought those look like hot dogs. And then I got really <laughs> excited, you know, <laughs> that's, that's my earliest memory of eating wild wild stuff that that was actually gathered from the field and didn't come from a grocery store yeah 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 i think we all get those those experiences right when we're young it's almost like oh i wonder what that tastes like i wonder what that tastes like uh i remember the same deal being a kid and eating every bird that i had ever shot just to see what it tastes like and you know how'd you uh, pull that off did your mom fix them or did you fix them you have a campfire what what's the story behind that cody yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd cook it myself. I'd have, I'd make a little fire or, or a lot of times we were sitting in a blind and we had a little portable heater and we'd cook them right <laughs> on top of the heater. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, the, the stuff I did when I was younger makes me shake my head now, but I'm sure the stuff uh, I did when I was younger really made my parents shake, shake their head. Oh yeah. I remember one time my brother and I were back at the Creek and of course we had our fort set up and stuff and we were foraging and, and, um, we found an old coffee can when they were still steel. And, um, we knew this trick because of camping with, with, uh, our dad and stuff, you know, we never had, took pots. We would just cook the beans by the fire in the can, you know, yeah. why mm-hmm. dirty a pot? You're going to, you're going to fix them in that can anyway. It'll work. So uh, we found an old coffee can and we caught a bunch of crawdads out of the Creek and we boiled those suckers. We didn't purge them. We didn't put them, you know, any of that stuff. It wasn't prepped. We fixed those suckers and we ate them right there. And we feasted like Kings on these little red crawdads that were full of mud, you know, and, but it was, <laughs> it was awesome. And I, I just, it's, it's one of those things that I look at, at modern society and and germophobia and and all this other stuff we didn't die you know <laughs> we didn't die well that was very fortunate of you I'm, I'm sure you may have had uh had to make sure your tp was close to you for a while though <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a whole different story that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, I've got a theory and, and the thing that sparked this is Mike Thorman said something on a podcast that we were recording with him one time and he summed it up real well. He said, the farther people get away from the farm, the more they lose touch with the actual natural order of life and how the world works. And I got to thinking about that. Not for one that he's he's absolutely spot on. And 
in 1800, 73% of our population in this country was directly related to agriculture in some way. It was, it was an astronomical overwhelming amount. And then as you go down through time, it keeps getting farther and farther away. And today we're at, some people will say as high as three, other people will say as high as, as low as 1% of our, of our country, of our society in the United States is, has any connection to agriculture at all. Mm. Yeah. It makes you, makes you wonder what happens when that number keeps going down, right? Like it's been yeah. going down forever. Uh, that's 1% feeding 99%. Yeah. You get Bill Gates developing our food in the laboratory. Mm. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. But the theory that goes along with that, even though we're there, you know, when you drive through suburbia, there's a reason why, uh, you know, the, the families on the weekend are out there manicuring their lawns and trimming their hedges and, and doing all this manual labor because I still think deep down inside of them, they have this, this instinct to be connected to the land. So they, they put that energy into their own little yard there and competing with their neighbor for a better looking yard and, and trimming their hedges and doing, I think that is directly tied to a human being's instincts to work with the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I seen, uh, you know, what I noticed during COVID when, when, you know, at the height of it, right. When everything yeah. was shut down, people weren't working and this and that is the, the mountains where, where I am all winter long got so crowded and it wasn't with, you know, hunters and this and that it was with people that had probably hadn't been in the mountains in years. Um, and that's where everybody went, right? When it hit the fan and there was really nothing to do, they went and wanted to reconnect with the wild, with nature. Um, and I, I would have never expected that. Honestly, I figured the mountains would be, you know, have them to myself, basically. And it was it was just unreal how many people got out there and really wanted to be involved in, in the wild. And But you're t- totally right. I think deep down, we all have that longing. We all have that connection for nature that... Uh, that has been lost on some along the way, but, uh, but everybody's got it down yeah. in there. Somewhere. And I yeah. think a big part of that too, is that people are getting stuck in the machine, Chris, they, they you know, they got to wake up, go to work in the morning, come home, see their family, pay their taxes, pay their bills. And then by Saturday, they're slap wore out. They don't want nothing to do with nothing no more. And, and I think people are losing, uh, parts of what make us who we are because they're stuck in that machine they're worn out you know but they've got they've got the time and the energy to go to the mountains i mean i was oh yeah they do but they're just they're they're giving up on it that's what i've seen over here with some people that i know and different things is is the machines chewing people up right now and and they're kind of giving up on it you know they're just losing their they're losing their motivation and they don't have the discipline to continue on. And so it makes it difficult. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. I was in the flathead working, um, during COVID and we were doing the construction work up there and stuff, but you would drive out to MacArthur Lake or places like you couldn't find a campsite. 
mm-hmm. you know, those, those campgrounds, those remote campgrounds way back in the mountains were full. It was amazing. And I always give everybody in the West a hard time. It's like, you know, a day on the mountain that's crowded in the West is instead of seeing, you know, two trucks, you see three. <laughs> where, where are all these people coming from? You know, <laughs> and you drive down, you drive through the, the Jefferson, Washington National Forest in Virginia. And if you don't see a dozen trucks or vehicles on the road, it's like, where the heck's everybody at? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's all a matter of perception. Yeah, absolutely. I always think I, when I see extra people out there, I say, why, why aren't these people working? They should be working. I, think, well, <laughs> I guess I'm not working. They're probably wondering why the hell I'm not out there. Right. Exactly. I'll be out hunting early in the morning, one morning, and, you know, it'll be five o'clock in the morning, and I'll see somebody driving down an old dirt road that I need to be driving down. I'm like, what is, What are they doing here? What are they why doing are here? they Why yeah. are they out here? Yeah. That's the old houndsman in us, you know, you growl as the truck goes by. <laughs> Uh, no sense in going up this canyon, you know. But then the then the part kicks in where you're like, I'm gonna drive up there and I'm gonna I'm gonna find a track that they missed. Yeah, and then man. I'm gonna post it on Instagram, and <laughs> tell people where I caught it because I saw so and so up in that canyon and I want him to know. Yeah. Uh, that's always a big thing here, you know. If you catch a track behind somebody that drives up a up a road or something, it's like, man, you get on the radio. And you make sure that everybody that's on the mountain that day, that's tuned into your frequency, everybody in your group knows that so-and-so missed a track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we all awesome. miss them though. Oh yeah. yeah I'll, tell you, sure. I'll tell you a guy that doesn't miss them is your uncle, Josh. Josh. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen him miss a track? Josh reads the ground better than he can read a book. That doesn't surprise me at all. That guy can read ground. And, and he's tried, he's got frustrated with me because, you know, I've been trying to learn since I was little. And I'll be like, what, how, how's this track? Or what's that? And he's like, it's a skunk, Justin Jesus. <laughs> 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 and I'll sit and I'll be like, what? We'll, we'll argue over a track. And I know he's always right, but I have to argue with him because it's, it's in the blood, I guess. But we'll argue over something and i know he's right even while i'm arguing with him but it's like how do you and he'll just glance at it and walk by fast i'll get yeah. that far from it and 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 still can't make heads or tails but yeah that that sucker he can read some ground i've been fortunate to be able to follow him around i don't know how much i've just been odd or confused but i think i've picked a thing or two up along the way not not, Wait, not enough yet but is jason like that oh yeah, yeah. yeah. is he yeah yeah, them two, they're 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 six in one hand, half dozen in the other. You know, they share the a brain. They share a brain, don't they? Oh yeah. yeah. There is something about that identical twin thing, man. I'm telling you, it's like when they're in the womb and they're connected at the head or something. It's like all the chemicals <laughs> flow back and forth, and that stays with you for life. Oh yeah. yeah, they look at each other and have a full sentence conversation and never open their mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm serious. We'd we'd travel. We'd go down to Mexico and 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 do hunts down in Mexico. There'd be times, you know, you need to say something without saying it out loud to one another, whether it's whoever's around or whatnot, you know. And they'd look at each other, and I'd look at them, and I'd think, "Oh, that's that's what that meant," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and nothing ever be said. Then you know, 
hour or two later, I'd be like, hey, so, uh, and they'd be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. You know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps, and when you check out, enter the code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. Oh, man. Those guys You are ever right feel here. that way with your dogs, though, too? Honestly, like, as you're oh, talking 100%. about. 100%. Seems like we talk about humans being able to do that, but, but people and dogs have that same type of connection where it's like, I know what he's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. We hadn't said a word. Dogs yeah. are, dogs are better at it than people are. You know, yeah. they, they like 80s over 80% of their whole communication method is nonverbal, you know, just being able to read body language and different things. And, and I think that's a place I remember the days when, when people would say, don't pet that dog. He's a hunting dog. You know, mm -hmm. and you'll run that dog if you make a pet out of him. And I think what we're seeing in the modern world, uh, you know, as we get farther into this thing, is that's totally baloney. You know, that's bullshit with a capital B and an S. I mean, it. my wife, she's got a pit bull and a boxer here, and she communicates with those dogs on a level that, I can only dream about because just her interaction with them and the time she spends with them and them being able to read their body language, they know when it's time to go for a walk. They know if you rattle a, a plastic bag in the house, it's <laughs> like, man, that means treat, you know, just, just the way she moves. They, they don't get excited in the mornings and some of it's routine. I get that. But even on a Saturday, they don't get excited in the mornings because it's like, uh, you know, she's moving around and she's going to leave us. So there's no sense in getting excited here. <laughs> yep. It's, I, I think you're a, exactly right, Cody. I had a dog like that, man. And that's actually the dog that inevitably got me into hound hunting. I had a old bird dog before all of this hound hunting stuff. And, and, um, that bird dog ran away, could never find it. And I was actually at the pound looking for um, that bird dog. And I was walking through, and it's all glass windows through there. And each little bay is kind of a kennel for them. And I go past this one, this goofy brindle dog jumped up and starts jumping on the glass, barking at me, excited, spinning around in circles, you know. And then I walk off, and I hear that dog quit barking. 
And so I go look in all the kennels and I'm on my way back out of there and I'm getting ready to leave. And I walk past that dog again. That dog jumps up, starts barking and jumps on the glass and spins in circles. And the lady that works there, she goes, uh, sir. I was like, yeah. She goes, uh, I think you should see that dog. That dog doesn't do that to nobody. And I had noticed there's other people and that dog's only barking at me. I was so confused. I couldn't. And I, I was, you know, that dog I had lost, I had had for I don't know, like eight years. So I was a little heartbroken. I needed a dog. I didn't have one at the time. So I'm like, all right, well, let me go sit in this room with this dog. So they take you into a little room with a bench and and they let that dog in. And that dog comes through there like a wrecking ball. I mean, just plowed into me, jumping all over me, licking me. And she's like, sir, I don't know what's gotten into it. So this dog is just super excited to see you. Do you know this dog? I'm like, I have no idea what this dog is, you know? And I was hooked. I was hooked from there and she was, she was, she was, uh, ended up being like a cur cross and I didn't know. Did you do a 23 and me on her or what? No, I wish I had, you know, <laughs> she, she, she was, she was probably all sorts of different types of things, but she, we were pretty sure she was a cur cross and I would talk into Josh and Josh one time is like, well, maybe try and hunt coons with her or something, you know, and me and my buddy, we was, we had gotten us a little couple little chunks of land and and we thought that was the coolest thing in the world you know we had been trapping a little bit and 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 stuff and so i just took the dog one time you know and when when i'm i gotta backtrack here a little bit but when i'm getting a story on this dog like why is it in the pound the lady tells me she's like oh let me look and she's looking through the paperwork and she says oh she she, she came in as a stray and at this pound, they pumped our stomachs when they come in as strays. And in her notes, she had that this dog had cat remains in its stomach. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Well, I may probably make a hound, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, I hunted coons with that silly dog. And that dog ended up being one of the best friends I've ever made in my life for over 10 years. And... And that dog, she became my boat dog, my everything. I ended up naming her Shadow because she never left me. She was with me all the time, man. And I could sit and talk to my wife about going fishing the next day in a normal adult human conversations, not even look at the dog or say nothing to her, you know, and 4.30 in the morning, all you hear is that tail against the door. That dog was ready to go before the alarm went off. She knew we were going fishing that day, even 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 if I didn't tell her, you know, she see me go put something in the boat the next morning. She was up bright and early. She knew it was ready to go. And if I ever charged my collars and that dog seen me charge a collar. Oh man. It was, it was like three o'clock in the morning. That dog was up and at him. <laughs> yeah. It's you like, know? go back so, to sleep. I'm not ready. Yes, it's yet. like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, but yeah, that dog was, and, and, you know, like Cody said, we developed these, intimate relationships with these hounds that other people don't you know like i don't want to take anything away from somebody that's got a nice yard dog you know that's good with their kids and 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 good with their family and would probably bite somebody that came through the door at the wrong time you know like i don't want to take anything away from those people but what those people also have to understand is that that people like me and cody and 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 a lot of the other hounds when you've had on your podcasts we've put hundreds upon hundreds of intimate hours 
with these dogs, with just us and them dogs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and each dog I've, I've got, I, I've gone, I've had a few dogs, not as many as some, but I've, I've had probably, I don't know, eight or nine in the last 10 years. And every dog is completely different, just like a person. They all have their personalities. They all have their niche that they fit into. They all have their interaction that you and them have that are different, you know, and, and, and it's like having this odd little extended family, you know, that's, that's loud and argumentative and makes a mess (laughs) everywhere it goes, but (laughs) it's, it's a unique, it's a very unique relationship between two beings more than it is a dog and an owner relationship when you when you spend all these this time with these hounds you know yeah and i think what we see you know you mentioned that connection there i think it's really relatable right like we see people that 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 can't have kids or their kids are gone or stuff like that that have have dogs that they're just as connected to them as they are their kids or or if they could have kids and that's that's something that's generally generally you know across the population is that connection to nature and connection to dogs whether we all realize it or not we all have it right and just like your story there with with your dog that was your shadow and forever and your best friend like honestly these dogs and chasing mountain lions it it saved my life when i was when i was had to quit riding bulls and and you know this is something i devoted my whole life too. It's all I'd ever dreamed of. It's what I ate, slept and breathed for my whole life. And then in an instant, basically it's gone. Um, I can say with, you know, hundred percent certainty that the dogs and pursuing, you know, whether it be, whether it be lions, bobcats, whatever it is we're after saved my life because mentally I was in, I was a wreck, right? Like I needed something to dive into again that was difficult that was you know all the things that i i loved about riding bulls was was there with with uh, the dogs as well and you know i guess i hadn't told that story often that that legit like when i retired from riding bulls i was a wreck like i didn't it was bad time for me mentally yeah. and and the dog saved my life yeah for real that's interesting something healthy to dedicate your time to yeah. And I, I want to get to, you know, tie this over to hunting, <clears throat> but I can relate to that because, you know, being in the Marine Corps and, you know, serving in a combat theater and, and then going into law enforcement, um, you know, there was a guy by the name of, uh, uh Gil Martin that wrote a book called Sur- emotional survival for law enforcement. And he talks about a thing called the hypervigilant roller coaster and the cycles that a person that works in an environment like that goes through, you know, where you hit your highs and then you go down and you dip your, into your lows and, and how your body needs time to, to adjust to that. And it's a great book. I recommend people read it just for their own personal, even if you're not in law enforcement, but anyway, same thing, Cody, you know, it was my opportunity to get back in the, you know, the right mindset. And that's what it's done for me my whole life. It's, I'm not going to say an escape because that sounds, that sounds like that 
know, I was using it. It was something that I had to do. It's, and I knew that I knew that deep in my soul that I had to go hunt. I had to go spend time with my dogs. My dogs aren't asking me, you know, are your bills paid or, you know, they're not, they're not putting the demands on me that society does and even your wife does at times. And, and it was just, it's always been a healthy thing for me, even to the point when I'm not spending the time that I feel like I need to, like right now we're kind of in a lull, everything's locked down with, with deer hunters and things like that. I get guilty because I'm not out there hunting with my dogs mm -hmm. and because I feel like it's, it's my obligation to them for me to fulfill my side of the deal. I keep you, I take care of you. And, and it's painful for me to walk by and look at them and say, yeah, not today. We can't go today. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what they love to do too, right? You're helping them fulfill their purpose in life and they're helping you fulfill, fulfill yours. Uh, that's an amazing partnership. Yeah. And that, that segues into what I really want to ask you about. Justin, say what you're going to say. I, would, I don't want to skip over you here. If you got um, something to add to that. Before. I was just going to say <clears throat> on top of that too, you know, it's another really hard aspect of it is retiring the old good ones. I did that this last year. I had an old dog. He, he ended up going blind and dying from cancer on me. And he made me into a lion hunter. You know, he showed me, he taught me more than, than, than anything, anybody, because that dog put me out there in the woods and, and showed me how to do what I was doing and, and to sit and retire that old dog. I mean, he could hardly get around. He was pretty much blind. He'd hear me load them other dogs up. And even today, I mean, it's gut wrenching to me just to, to think about that dog standing at that gate, you know, and he'd, he, he'd try and bark, but he couldn't hardly even bark no more. And and uh just not being able to take him out you have that same feeling like you said you know it's like oh man i'd i'd do anything and his last lion hunt i actually packed him in and we we got fortunate we had a short race kind of deal and and he was able to get one more last lion in you know he only went about from where i could shorten him up to he went about 500 600 yards and that boy, it was everything he had to get that five, 600 yards and then back to the truck again, you know? So, yeah. but you could tell that whole time that dog, if he could grin, he was grinning, you know? Cody got to see, uh, the last bear that one of the best dogs I ever had tree in that jazz female, you know, and, and, um, we were, we were together on that one took some good pictures there i got some great video of it and then when uh i had to put her down i packed her ashes back in to that tree mm -hmm. and spread them at the tree yeah. i mean that's that's how much these dogs mean to us and that's how much they own of us you know they've got mm -hmm. ownership of our emotional being and and who we are as people and they help shape us and and our views and different things like that. And, and I think that's a big part of what is missed on, um, the non hunting public 
is that part, that relationship that we as houndsmen actually have and how much they mean to us. You know, that, that wasn't a difficult tree to get to, but it was still the effort of everything involved of making sure that she stayed the last place that she did her job. And that's what I want to segue into is that part of it, because we've talked about like my wife's dog and your fishing dog and, and different things like that. But why do we feel like we need to take this hound and then go catch a lion or, or a bear or whatever we're pursuing? What is it about that? Because there's a lot of people out there that have these great fuzzy, warm feeling stories about this relationship they've got with the dog. But what is it about hunting with the dog that changes the game for us? What do you think, Justin? Well, they, you know, it, this been said before, but you, you can't, you can't force these dogs to do this. This is as much what they want to do as it is anything in the world. And to watch that, I think it's, it's watching that dog go out there, especially when you start your young one, you know, and it runs around like a doofus and dogs take off barking and it stands there and looks at you and goes, what is going on? You know, yeah. <laughs> you've been yelling at me for the last two months for barking in the yard. Like, what are they doing? And then you go from that to seeing that dog flip the switch. That's what we call it. And, and takes off and that, that, that switch goes off in their brain and that instinctual drive that, that, that chase nature takes over to watch that. I mean, it gives me goosebumps talking about it now. Cause I think of some of the dogs that I have now that are good, solid finished dogs that I watched flip that switch that I watched grow and, and change into that. And, and then you get to see them play their role as as a being you know what i mean it's it's this is what that thing is meant to do it's like a destiny type thing and 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 you get to see that dog go out there and and do what it's been bred to do do what it's just primal instinct is and it's it's amazing man to see these dogs and it's some of the grittiest toughest things i've ever seen happen in the world has been behind dogs in the mountains you know, tough country, long races, everything else in the world. I'm ready to just call in a helicopter and get me out of there. And I've got dogs that are like, no way we are going to pound this thing until we can't move. You know, that old dog that I talked about, that dog all the way to the end would go to every ounce of his being to be able to do that. And it mm -hmm. was because he enjoyed it. It was because it was what he wanted to do. And, and to see that it's special, man, it's something else. It's, it's. Yeah. It's, it's almost one of those deals where it's like, it, you know, if you're trying to relate to this, you've got that dog that always brings you a Frisbee and they want you to throw it. Imagine taking that Frisbee away from that dog and never throwing that Frisbee for that dog again, mm -hmm. you know, denying that dog, that opportunity to do it and that's that's drawing a picture for people that might be having trouble connecting the dots here of what our dogs mean to us and and the way they're bred to do that but but i think it's also um something that that we as people can relate to it's like having what would have happened if if you know 
somebody walked in with an axe and smashed Beethoven's piano every time he started to play it. Yeah. Or when Einstein started to try to, you know, write his math equations, people just came in, came in and, and, uh, erased the chalkboard and, and handed him a, a baseball, you know, it, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't no. fit. And, and I think that in a culture where we see so many videos and I mean, there's dogs out there with their own freaking TikTok pages and channels and stuff, you know, <laughs> that, that people should be able to relate to this side of it and why we do what we do with our dogs and, and what it does for the dog. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it really comes down to purpose and passion, whether it's, whether it's human or dog, right? Like we all, we all have passions. We all, and I'm big on, on purpose and passion, right? Like, I think we should, we should follow our passions because that reveals part of our purpose. Like, right. That's why we're here. And whether, whatever your, your views are on, on God and everything, like personally, I believe, you know, we were made, we were made a certain way and we were made to fulfill different purposes in life. Uh, have you ever and, read the purpose driven life? I've read parts of it. I don't think I ever yeah. finished that book. Yeah. Um, Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's part of these dogs, like their existence too, right? Like legit, this is their purpose. And just like, you know, I, I, I use myself cause it's an easy example, but you know, my purpose was to be a bull rider my whole life. Like legit, that was why I had the desire and the ability to do what I did. And that fulfilled that part of my life. Right. And, and the dogs are the same way. Like if they don't get to fulfill their purpose and pursue their passion, they're miserable. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the big connection, right. And people can understand that when they're living in, in that purpose, right. For, uh, pursuing their passion, they are legit. They're human beings, right. They are living, they're enjoying life. They're, they're doing what they're created to do. Uh, and, and that's the, the connection there, right. Like it's just, these dogs were legit legitimately built for this reason and and that's mm -hmm. their existence it's what they love to do um, i think i think when people deny their their pets their dogs i'm you know and i'm talking to the non-hunting public when you deny that dog its ability to fulfill its purpose i think you're selfish i think you're extremely selfish you know you wanted and we we're seeing tons of this stuff working dog breeds are hot you know they 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 want to have a malinois and it's like you live in an apartment <laughs> in downtown wherever and you want a malinois because it's cool because it's trendy because it's 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 you know they make good tiktok videos and you've seen these dogs jumping up walls and doing all this other stuff but that's a terrible fit and the same thing goes for our hounds. You can't simply take a dog that's got hundreds of years of purpose-bred genetics instilled into it to react a certain way and satisfy those natural genetic-driven instincts by teaching it to play fetch. It, you're, and when you have that expectation, more than likely what's going to happen is you're going to become frustrated with the dog because when you can't fulfill its drive and its purpose, it's going to try to fulfill it on its own, you know, and this Yog Terrier I've got here is a perfect example of that. You know, if he doesn't hunt, if we don't go on our, you know, our little 
forging, you know, adventures around here, then he's going to find something to do. Mm-hmm. And that could be killing the cat. That could be killing the, you know, whatever. He's going to find something. But when you yeah. channel the energy and satisfy that primitive instinctual drive, then, then man, it's a beautiful relationship. Oh yeah. I know with my dogs <laughs> during the season, those are the most well-mannered, decent, no problems kind of dogs. But during the off season, and especially now, right before our season started, they've yeah, had a they whole summer the weather of boredom. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have my two, I call them my Alcatraz dogs. Those are the two I've got to lock down. Like you can't believe, like I about need a net over a six foot kennel for these two, because by this time of the year, all I want to do is get out. All I want to do is go, 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 go. Well, then when that season starts and we do start doing that, and we start training and everything else, talk about leave the gate open. And these dogs are satiated. They're satisfied. They're like, yeah, we're doing We're It's it's go time now, you know? So they're they're content and they're everything else. But yeah. in them off seasons, man, you see that those dogs just, they want to go. Like I've got a, a, a pretty seasoned lion dog that, by the middle of summer, she's chasing birds out of the yard. You know, like she is just bored to death. A Tweety bird landed in the yard and she's going after it. By the by the end of season, you know, you could probably walk 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 a animal right through the yard and she just watch it go by. <laughs> you know, but once they get tired and they get they get uh um bored because they're not fulfilling themselves. You definitely see it, you know, and that just goes to show you the purpose behind these dogs and the and the drive behind them. I mean, I wish yeah. I had the motivation that these dogs have. I'd probably be a millionaire, but it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For I sure. think that's what's something that's been been missed when people do look at hunting dogs is they don't think of it as a dog fulfilling its purpose. They picture it as a a blood sport right they think it's all about the killing when you know us on this conversation know that's far far from the truth um but we got to do a better job of portraying that story right of and and it's been it's been it started right like with the blood origins lionheart movie and and all that stuff but um we've definitely just got to do a better job of of showing that other side of things when it's not like like i spoke earlier it's all about the the process, not the yeah. outcome. Yeah. yeah. Brad Luttrell summed it up real well. He owns go wild, the social media platform for hunters and stuff. And, um, he, he summed it up when he said, you know, the part that's missing in our hunting culture is what you said, the process of getting to that point. It's not just the grip and grin. That's the easiest part of any hunt is, mm-hmm. is actually taking the animal the process to get here. And I think that's what we see a lot in the hunting community when houndsmen and hunting with hounds is misrepresented when they, you know, you even see other hunters say, Oh, it's not fair chase or it's too easy. You don't understand the process. You know, I can Mm -hmm. take my rifle and I can set it in the safe for 11 months out of the year and go out and fire a few rounds, you know, spend a day at the range and I'm ready to shoot that rifle. That's not the way it is with, with a hound or a dog when we're hunting with no. dogs. And that's a big part that's misconstrued big time. You know, like I was saying earlier, we've spent 
hundreds and hundreds of hours with these dogs. And the other thing that I think people have to kind of get in their head, these dogs are not infallible. These dogs are a just a being that makes mistakes. They, mm -hmm. they, 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 it's an animal as well, you know? So when you're chasing one animal with another animal, there's all the mistakes possible in the world. I've had wreck after wreck. I've had losses you can't imagine. My catch rate is nothing like some guys. And 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 it's and nobody's got a perfect catch rate, too. That's what a lot of people are really confused about. I don't understand that we've drove around for seven hours today, walked for five, and then went home and didn't didn't catch or see a thing. And then right. when we when we do catch, you know, we're not killing these lions how all many, the time how many lions have you killed in your life just two 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 how long i've how hunted long? i've hunted for 10 years yeah i've owned dogs and hunted for 10 years cody what about you yeah i've killed a few in the last 15 years yeah it's I've uh killed... i mean but you look at trees right i mean there's exactly. hundreds of lions in the trees and and a couple have been taken out and they were old males you know it's it's uh it's easy for us to understand that, but a lot of people don't, they think everything dies, right? That's far, far from it. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, the lions that I've killed, I killed a lion on my grandfather's birthday, the year he passed away. We caught it on his birthday and I, I took that lion the year he passed away. And then I killed the first ever solo dirt lion that I caught by myself. And, and because that was monumentous, man, that yeah. was a big deal. They're symbolic of something bigger than just exactly just taking the lion, you know, or and I've been hunting lions since 1993, you know, not as often as I want to. But during that time, walk like Cody said, walked to hundreds of treed lions to take pictures uh, to evaluate a lion. I don't know how many trees we've walked to where we never even had a gun with us. You know, there was no way to take that lion mm -hmm. and there's been one lion that i've taken during that time so yeah. this this idea that it's a blood sport like cody said and like the antis want to paint it as it's just simply not true mm -mm. it's about the process like like cody says yeah well there's so much before it too you know that back to that fair chase side of things it, it's 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 two different animals and whether you've got more dogs in it or not you know you've got these animals that are infallible and a lot of people or that are not infallible sorry and a lot of people say oh well you got the gps collars that's so i get the dog home that night yeah that's what that's <laughs> and so he doesn't run seven miles chasing a deer like that that's so i get the dog home that night you know it's not yeah it's a lot easier than it was wait, for wait. them old gps you you don't have dogs that chase deer seven miles? No. You can use a collar for that? Yeah. Man, exactly. I'm gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk after the podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's and, and people think it's like some that I I see I see anti-hunters do this, and I've I noticed one just the other day. It was actually in a newspaper that that there's electronic tracking devices. Well, we didn't put it to the lion. It's on the dog that probably it, it may or may not catch that lion, you know, right. and that's so I can take him home and stick him in a warm dog barn and, and, and feed him that night. And, and I don't have to 
chase them all night across the mountain and and everything else you know it's for the dog's benefit it's it's Here, nice what for I us do. but when we see people make comments like that okay so this collar helps me catch a lion i'm going to put this collar on you and i'm going to haul you three hours out into the mountains to a place that the lion lives every day you've never been there before the lion lives there every day so if this collar is an unfair advantage, you should have more of an opportunity to actually find the lion and, and take the lion personally without a dog, yeah. right? That's what we're saying here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're saying it's like some some super, super hack that, that allows you to catch lions. That's far <laughs> from it. Yeah, they're not built with artificial intelligence where we can, we can manufacture a lion uh, through the use of our electronic training devices you know yeah. it's it's crazy and when crazy. that person doesn't go catch that lion and, and and i tone them and they don't turn around i'm just going to start shocking them too <laughs> <laughs> giving them a little stimulation yeah like go. stop I... looking at elk tracks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's and it, and it, <clears throat> i don't know it's 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 confusing and it's hard and and us as houndsmen you know, we've just kind of shook our head and walked away on it a lot of the times. And and because it's a deep conversation, there's so much more to it than most guys have to spit out at the gas station. You know, when the one guy says, oh, why do you do that? You know, or whatever, you know, there's there's so much more conversation that needs to be had. I avoid so, them. I do. It's like you're not going to yeah. understand. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. And that, you know, and that sucks, you know, and I'm in the business of telling people that we need to figure out our narrative and how to tell it, or somebody else is going to tell it for us. So I get it. It's a natural thing that it's like, man, I just want to go hunt. I don't want, you know, but mm -hmm. I think we all get the idea that when, when it's a good time and when it's not a good time, you know, I saw, I saw a, a meme that's been circulating and of all people, it's a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio and he's saying, he's saying, I'm at the age where I avoid controversy. If one plus one equals five, if somebody wants to say one plus one equals five, I'm good with that. And I just don't think that's the whole plan. That is the whole plan is to beat us down to the point where we don't care and we don't tell our story and we don't have conversations like this and talk about, you know, why we hunt and what hunting means to us and what a relationship with those dogs mean and what their purpose is and how important it is for them to fulfill their purpose where we ultimately get to fulfill our purpose. And, you know, once we've gotten to that point where we can tolerate people saying one plus one equals five, we've lost. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that are still, I mean, if some dumbass wants to sit around and say one plus one equals five five it's new math go for it dude i get it but when you're trying to tell me that what we do as hunters and houndsmen isn't filling a lot of different purposes for us for our natural world for the dogs that, that everybody says that they love man I'll, i'm gonna fight that one until i can't fight it anymore there are some things worth still fighting for yeah yeah we got to fight those battles right like if it's when we sit back and say well i kind of feel uncomfortable in this conversation you know i'll let somebody else that maybe talks better than me maybe hopefully i'll run into this person that's 
that's cowardice, right? Like if it's just like, you know, you, you see something wrong and you don't just do nothing about it. Like that's, that's cowardice. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes what I got to kick myself in my own butt to, to have those conversations that feel like they might be uncomfortable sometimes, because if I don't, who will, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be the coward in that situation. And, and most of the time when, it, when we speak up, it actually ends up being way better than we ever expected. Yeah. So sometimes we crash and burn, right? But that's life. Sometimes you, sometimes you get hit in the face. You just get back up and try again. But you know, I found a really good spot lately to have those conversations is on planes, um, because I'm stuck to them people for a while. I got an audience around. <laughs> us. They're going to be eavesdropping whether we want them to or not. So hey, let's have the conversation. And they've they've. <laughs> it's amazing though how receptive. You know, we think we think a lot of the the general public that doesn't know about hound hunting already has preconceived ideas when a lot of them don't. Um, yeah, a lot of right. them are open to learning about it. And by without fail at the end of every conversation, the people are in love with the dogs. They're amazed by the process and have a totally new understanding for how all this goes down. And uh, they, you just, know, obviously that's, that's always the goal. They're always floored when it's like, you show them all these pictures of, of mountain lions and trees and you tell them, it's like, no, we did. We didn't shoot it. We didn't mm-hmm. shoot that line. Here's why, because, you know, see the stripes on its legs. That's juvenile, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, see the features on its face. That's, that's a female lion, you know, and you start educating them. And then the, all of a sudden they're like, holy, holy smoke. This isn't what, the TV commercial said where these guys are ignorant and not informed and, and just out for the kill. And, you know, when we had developed those skills to be able to talk to people like that, and it becomes easier as you continue to do it. The first few times, it's like asking a girl out on a date, you know, you fumble all over yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and then you just develop the skills. It's like pounding nails for the first time. It's like getting on a bull the first time. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you're not really ready. It's just time to, it's just your turn, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And the other thing too is people have to understand the ecological benefit to it as well. I mean, us as houndsmen, that is very selective hunting. Because we have that ability, we get to put that lion in a tree or on a ledge and and look at it. Is this a wet female? Is this a, is this whatever you know? And and we can make that distinction and we can decide whether this is the right thing to do there or not, you know. And then and then the other side too. I hunt a lot of private. <clears throat> People got to understand that these private ranches they get hammered by lions when they're not hunted for an extended period of time and so these people they come in they have an issue they have human interaction problems they have this they have that well those lions then need to be cold so that that coexistence is is still there and and houndsmen play that role more than the boot hunter can and i don't want to take anything away anybody that that kills a lion on their feet without dogs and you should be proud but you're not able to 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 look at that lion before you take it and say, hey, that's a that's a mature tom. And if you are, you're deadly close. But if not, then you, maybe you shoot a wet female, or maybe you do this, you know, and you don't know. And and 
with with the hounds we have the ability to be so precise and we have the ability to be so accurate and be good stewards of of wildlife conservation and that's really what it is that's why it exists now is because it's 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 the best method of take for mountain lions especially and it is in is the accuracy in it is far and beyond what anyone else can achieve any other way you know and and people get upset about the the dog aspect of it whether they think you know there's people on certain sides that think you know the dogs are forced into this deal or it's a completely unfair chase and you have this magical gps device you know and and yeah. whatever it, it's not that you know and it's hard to tell somebody that it's not that and 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 reiterate the fact of how how important it is for ecosystems to to do this you know i've hunted a ranch that wasn't hunted for a very long time and we went in there and we took some lions out of it you know and and this will be the third or fourth year now i don't know but the they had next to no meal deer on this ranch i mean very very few this is a very big ranch and you could cut all day and you'd see a handful of deer tracks and a few down by the house and whatnot this last year that we hunted that ranch, it was, you couldn't go a hundred yards without another deer track. I mean, it was deer all over this thing. Everybody at the ranch, all the workers, all the, the ranch manager, everybody's like the deer population has exploded. We have more deer than we've ever had, you know, and, and that's because we harvested mountain lions there. We, we, yeah. we we changed the ecosystem in a very healthy way. There's still plenty of mountain lions on this ranch and, and, and it's a much healthier ranch now for it on the wildlife side. I mean, that first year, I think I cut one bobcat track that last year that I was there. Oh God, I cut 12, 15. I can't even remember. They were, they were everywhere. You know, even the bobcat population came up, the snowshoe hares, they came down in elevation, you know, like it was, it was, it was amazing to see all the changes in that ranch over the three years that I've been able to hunt it and, and, and see the, the, the game diversity pick up mm -hmm. when, it, when the first year it was absolutely riddled in lions. Like you would not have wanted to walk with a limp at night on this ranch. It would not have been a safe place. <laughs> it was, it was a freaky amount of lions at first, you know, and, and, and then now there's a few less lions and there's, there's a lot more deer. There's more game all the way across the landscape. And, and it just was healthy. It was healthy as what the ranch needed. It needed that management. And underneath the 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 model, you know, that's that's a part of it. That's a yeah. big part of it. And if we don't have this, our model has to somehow adapt to it to that change. That's not good for anybody. That's not good for the wildlife. That's not good for the hunting communities. That's not good for anything. I, I think you point out something that's pretty valuable right there in telling that kind of story about where you have progressed in your journey as a houndsman and a lion hunter. Because when I was nine years old, I wasn't thinking about the North American model for wildlife conservation. I wasn't thinking about management. I wasn't thinking about biodiversity. I was you know, genetic diversity. I wasn't thinking about it. I wanted to hunt. But mm -hmm. because of the process of being serious about hunting, it's moved me to the point where, 
you know, I made a whole career out of wildlife management. I, you know, I, I was immersed in the lifestyle and the culture and, and everything that went with it. You know, I wasn't just a fan watching from the stands. I, I wanted to be on the field playing the game and, and become the, you know, the, the best I could be on that field. And that included, you know, you take, you take a guy like, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, reading the reason he was good is because he immersed himself into the culture. He learned how to read defenses and coverages and all this other stuff. And it made him great at what he did. He wasn't just a fan watching. He wasn't just some guy that sat back and thought, you know, some, I like playing football and, and no, he, he immersed himself. Cody's a world champion bull rider. You didn't get there just by watching PBR on TV and being a, being a enthusiastic fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, there's people that want to be spectators and people that want to be involved. And that's, uh, that's what you are. That's what we all are. And, and, and honestly, we, we care more about this wildlife than people, than the, than the other side gives us credit for. I mean, the reason by far that the North American model works is because of guys like us. And, you know, I, you, we talk about fair chase, unfair advantage, this and that, you know, the, and, and we all know here, the dogs hundred percent do not, it's not a guaranteed deal. They do not give you an unfair advantage. It is just the best, absolute best way to, to manage wildlife like this. But I, you can argue the same thing, whether high powered scopes and scent uh, blockers and all this stuff gives you an unfair advantage. It's all hunting, right? And it's all mm -hmm. done with a purpose. And just like fly fishing and bait fishing are two different types of fishing, they're both fishing. Um, mm. And and I don't see the maybe the fly fishermen think they're better than the bait <laughs> fishermen, but I think they get along pretty well and they understand that. Uh, and, and we need to understand that too. Well, and they both stand up for fishing as well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Cody's dead on. Dead, Cody's dead on with that, you know. Is it's just, I don't know. It's difficult, really. You got to experience it, right? They got to yeah. experience it really. And and there's so few of us that know what that experience is like that it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to put into words for somebody that hasn't experienced it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like somebody trying to explain it, how AI works, you know, artificial intelligence <laughs> to me, you know, that's, that's, I, I haven't experienced it. I don't know. It's scary. It's, it's different. You know, I, it's just a lot of different things. Um, you know, it's like getting on a bull, you know, <laughs> not, at 54 years old, I'm going to tell you, it's not happening. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote my first steer at like nine years old, but, uh, but there haven't been many since then. I can tell you that. And there's, it's not going to start today or tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I maybe one more, maybe one more time for you, for you're done. <laughs> you got one named Fu Manchu. Remember that Tim McGraw song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Was so, two point seven seconds or something? That's the yeah. time to beat for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be uh that would be a goal. Two point seven. Hey, that would sure. be a hell of a podcast too. You know, we could make a big deal out of it, raise some money for charity, see if you can go <laughs> go longer than old Tim McGraw did. Oh, know? there you go. I go. told Cody the other day, I said, I need you to get an ambulance up there and ready. And 
and, and get me a vest and a helmet. And I, I got to get it out of my system. So I'm going to go up to Cody's and I'm going to jump on something. Hopefully it's about a 300 pound calf, but I'm going to jump I've on something. I've seen those 300 pound calves come out of that shoot. That one black <laughs> one you posted the other day, that thing was radical. He's going to hurt somebody, Cody. I would look like an astronaut <laughs> off the back of that thing. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the breeding program on them, just like all the performance animals, is, is, is it's amazing how far it's come. And we'll get you set up. Come on up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll be out there uh, later on. I, I One last question. <laughs> one, uh, one last question. Um, if they took lion hunting away from you, what would that do to you? You know, taking lion hunting away from me personally would be like taking away part of my life that that I can't replace, that I can't put together any other way. Um, like I said, the lion hunting is not, for me, it's, it's hunting. We call it hunting. It, it does serve its purpose as far as wildlife management, but the process behind it, um, the fulfillment of, of pursuing such a challenge is irreplaceable. Um, like I said, it, it saved my life. And if it was taken away, I, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I, I can't, I can't tell you it'd be like taking away one of my kids. Cause that's not the same, but it'd be taking away a big part of my heart that uh, mm -hmm. yeah. can't ever get back. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, it's, it's a lot of people got to understand for guys like us and, and, and a lot of people too, it's, it's not a sport. It's not a hobby. This is a lifestyle. We do this 24, seven, seven, 365. You know, I mean, I, 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 I check dogs, manage dogs, I doctor dogs. I keep these dogs up through the year. I spend all my time getting ready to hunt. I spend all my time hunting. And then I, and then I, um, wait to do it again you take this away from us and it, it you might as well cut a hand off of me you know and and for me too you know it's it's my family as well my, my family owns an outfitting business they are renowned for lion hunting for them to lose that where they live the 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 the, the amount of permanency that's already set for them and for myself i own a business i have family in the state like it's for me to up and move to another state because they took it from us would be devastating it'd be uprooting an entire life just to get that chunk of me back you know and and for my family i mean they're <laughs> what do they do you know yeah. what do they do from there you know it, it, they're, they're so set up they're so established that to take this out of out of that then like Josh, I think about Josh and Jason when we talk about this stuff because those guys are as obsessed and sick in the head over it as, as anybody I've ever known, anybody I've ever met. I live and breathe it every day. It's 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 a constant thought every day. It's not a hobby. It's not just a sport. It's not just whatever it's it's a passion it's a way of life and and to take that away from somebody without knowing truly what it is you know you see it on a, a ballot or whatever it is and yeah i'm gonna vote yes for this that that small little moment of thought in someone else's mind is a monumental change is a life-altering change for us and mm. 
and, and to, to get somebody to understand that is 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 my new goal you know is 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 my new drive right now is is to get somebody to understand that hey it's not just a small minute thought for you it's it's an actual life change for me and a lot of other people in this state or in this nation or what whatever it is you know so it's it's devastating it makes my hands tremble it makes me sick to my stomach to know that that the possibility of losing it is there Hmm. pretty powerful justin pretty powerful well um i think that's a good place to wrap it up i i don't think there's any questioning you know why we get out of bed every morning you know this is it and how important it is to us and i mean it's it's uh i i skip food to be able to do this mm-hmm. and anybody that knows me ever since i was a little bitty kid food's always been pretty important to me you know yeah. and not just eating food but the process of eating it you know and it's, <laughs> it's that it's that important to me that i i we've all missed meals and spent nights on the mountain sleeping in a truck or wherever because these dogs are out here giving us everything they got and you know being involved in that lifestyle and yeah we've always said that justin it's more than just this isn't our golf hobby you know this is us participating at the highest level that we can achieve that in something that doesn't have a league you know we keep score with ourselves and against something that's wild and and doesn't observe any rules and it it wakes up that inner passion and those i mean prehistoric instincts in us to to contribute not only to our to the wildlife but also to our families and and different things so man i i tell you what i really appreciate getting you guys perspective on this great conversation guys yeah yeah definitely we appreciate you having us and you nailed it on the head man it's as important as eating and breathing and that means a lot you let us come on and uh, and share that story and um you know give our take on it so you've done a lot of great things for for this community you know the whole houndsman world uh you're the man keep it up appreciate it cody yeah and one last thing one last thing i want to say too chris is uh i also want to speak to your listeners a little bit and let them know you know uhc united houndsman of colorado I was going to open that door for you. Jump okay. Jump yeah, through we, it, Justin. we, we, we're a Colorado based nonprofit organization. Um, we're structured around educating people around hound hunting. We have a community and set of members. Um, and, and I'd love for that membership to increase. We need more people involved and I don't care if you're in Colorado or if you're not or, or whatever I want, I want houndsmen involved, you know, and, Colorado is going to be facing some changes here in the future. And, and, and we need backup. We need people on our team. We need support. Proposed changes. Yes. Yes. Proposed changes. I should, I should reiterate that, but, um, but we need, we need people. We need support. We need friends. We need community. Um, And we're going to be doing some pretty special stuff here in the future. Me and you've had talked about some future plans and, 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 
I talked to about probably 30, 40 people a week <laughs> on the phone. So there's, there's a lot of irons in the fire. There's a lot of things going on and um, we need involvement. We need guys to step up, you know, get yourself a membership, sign up as a volunteer, come to some of the shows or banquets or whatever it is that we, we, we plan to do in the next year. I can't let too many cats out of the bag yet, but right. um, um, come by. Go to the website, it's unitedhoundsmanofco.com. Um, look at it, read it, become a member, show your support. We have an Instagram, we have a Facebook. Um, you can find it through my stuff, Cody's stuff. I mean, you you look on the internet, you'll find it. Um, yeah, for sure. And 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 come help us out. So that's the thing. I mean, I've I've watched houndsmen rise up to support children's hospitals other houndsmen all kinds of civic causes different things in my lifetime at fundraisers and different things military outreach programs and uh without going down the road too far you know now's the time that colorado needs our help and our support as a hound hunting community um this is this is a paramount effort that's going to take place the next year so you guys keep up the good work we've we're going to get more and more into that stuff as is this whole situation develops and uh, but just getting together and talking lion hunting and and what it means to us and and how important it is to us i think that was i think that was valuable guys appreciate it well we appreciate you. you yeah all right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure that uh, you're checking us out on houndsmanxp.com or social media platforms, all those different places. Um, Justin, if I can get a logo from you, uh, I'll put a, I'll have a logo put on our website so that people can access from there too. And uh find out what's going on keep up to date you guys got your own social media stuff going on there with united houndsman colorado and and glad to see that people are willing to to rise up in these these times and and educate and and do all that stuff so thanks for tuning in to the houndsman xp podcast this is fair chase <laughs>